Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. What's up, cowardly womanizers? This is Steven, your host from Phantology, along with my lifelong friend Josh, to talk about Jalen, the uh, main character, the cowardly womanizer from The Prince of Fools. I guess he is the, the Prince of Fools by Mark Lawrence. Josh, how are you? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here to talk about another Mark Lawrence book. We covered the Broken Empire trilogy, so go check those out um, if you haven't yet. And now we're here to talk about about the Prince of Fools, and I'm excited. Yeah, so he wrote this, uh, Red Queen's War. This is the Red Queen's War trilogy. Yeah. Prince of Fools is the first one. So this is the follow-up to the Broken Empire. It happens concurrently. There's some crossovers. It's a whole Mark Lawrence extended universe type thing. And you've also read some of his other books, right? Another one of his trilogies? Yeah, I actually haven't finished the third book of the um, Red Sister trilogy. Mm, okay. For, for whatever reason, I just got kind of interrupted after I, I kind of wanted to take some time between the second and third book because I read the first two kind of quickly. So I wanted to take some time and then like it's still on my TBR and I'm going to I'm going to read it, but maybe I'll wait, um, you know. OK, uh, yeah, okay. I'm, I got to find a good time to read it. OK, so let's actually start maybe with a, a non-spoiler thing, because I think I, at least in our community, there's a lot that have read The Broken Empire, but haven't gotten into Red Queen's War. And there are some big differences in tone. And um, so, so how would you recommend or how would you compare the series? Let's say assuming someone's read uh, The Broken Empire or maybe someone coming into Lawrence for the first time, you know, how would you describe this book, at least Prince of Fool? Well, first, let me plug a little bit of our community. Uh, we, we did a read along on this on our Discord or like a book yeah. club thing. Um, yes. On our Discord, we have a book, book club where we kind of, there's maybe what, maybe seven to 12 people. I don't know. Maybe that, that, uh, that might be a little you know, generous. It might be. It's, yeah. It's probably more like five on average. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway, it'd be, it'd be nice to get up to that number. Yeah. But, but like, you know, it's not a ton of people that uh, kind of read and either just chat about it or we try and organize um, two sessions, you know, to talk about each book that we read like live on chat. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're interested in that, jump on our discord uh, links are in the description and, and, if you, and if you're interested, very, we are very open to any suggestions. So yeah, if you're wanting to read a book and want some people uh, want to, to just nerd out with you while you're doing it, like this is a good place for that. Yep. And our, our Discord in general, I feel like is a good place for it. But yeah. um, specifically the book club on there is, is a lot of fun and we're looking for new people to come join. Okay. So back to your question about um, kind of a non-spoiler, your thought about this, the way that's yeah uh, yeah yeah so in in some weird ways this is you know almost a better starting off point for mark lawrence's works if you haven't like read any of his before and you're not sure you're gonna love the grimdark because mm -hmm. this is while there are certainly like grimdark moments of this 
there's a lot less than in the Broken Empire, Empire trilogy. Yeah. This is much more lighthearted. Um, the protagonist is actually a likable character, whereas Jorg, um, the protag, kind of, I guess if you can call him that, the the main point uh-huh. of view character is not very likable throughout. I mean, um, he's the protagonist and the antagonist almost, yeah. you could say. Yeah, right. So yeah, in some ways, this is a better starting off point for people that aren't so sure that they're going to love the the world that they're the grimdark elements of mm-hmm. um, of Mark Lawrence's works. Having yeah, said I that, think, I, I think a lot of people probably bounce off of the Broken Empire right at the beginning because they're like, this is really dark. And some people like that. And there's a lot, I mean, the Broken Empire has a lot of positives to it. It's a really interesting look at um, some <laughs> very dark, you know, aspects of human nature. And, and uh, that, that doesn't mean it's, you know, not worth reading, but it does mean that it can be harder uh, for some. Yeah. So maybe if you bounced off the first couple of chapters of Broken Empire, maybe give this a shot. If you still like feel like you've heard praise from Mark Lawrence, you know, um, a lot of the good things about Broken Empire are still uh, contained in, in Red Queen's War. Having, having said that, uh, you you will definitely miss out on some of the more lorry, that's a word, aspects, like more lore-driven aspects of the story. Yeah. That it definitely helps to have read um, Broken well, Empire. Well, I mean, at least through the first book. Like I, and this is the discussion, maybe we can kind of speculate on where the series is going because we've only read the first books, but yeah. I this imagine- is still, we're, keeping the, we're keeping this still spoilery. We're still spoiler-free yeah, right Right, now. right. Yeah, 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 keeping this spoiler-free, but I imagine the lore- that we learn about. So in Broken Empire, you learn a lot about the world and the lore and, and uh, you know, this big plot line going on. I imagine that we're going to get more of that same story in the Red Queen's War. But like you say, thus far, there's a lot of missing details that we understand having read the Broken Empire that you know, those details are not yet filled in um, at this point in the Red Queen's War. But, you know, it's the first of a trilogy. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, there there it is, and and I think there there was somebody that was reading along with us that this was the first Mark Lawrence book that he had read, mm-hmm. and he was able to pick up on some some things that you know uh, were contained in in the Broken Empire, mm-hmm. and so I think it's definitely like a valid way to approach uh, these works. Yeah, and and not only lore, but there's also some like direct crossovers, like yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll just but say just, that much. But not for, very long, yeah. like a few chapters, if that, right? Like it's uh-huh. not a ton. You you won't and you won't be like utterly confused. Yeah, they're they're Easter eggs going on. Yeah. They're they're definitely Easter eggs, but but it's fun to catch those Easter eggs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This one that's why we like these extended universes. Yeah. All right. Uh so other non-spoilery thoughts if you're looking to jump in on this. Um the, the protagonist yeah, just yeah. in general, like yeah. what kind of book is this? Yeah. So um the protag is really interesting. Like you said, he's a woman. He's a, how did you describe him? A, yeah, a, coward, a cowardly, a cowardly womanizer, womanizer who uh-huh. you, you kind of get the, the sense that he's not a totally reliable narrator. And that's mostly shown in the fact that he does not see himself as doing acts of valor or like, sure. Honor. He, he's kind of talks down about himself when relating events that he's done. You know, mm-hmm. there is a, uh, an event that um he kind of just said oh i was just wildly throwing my sword around and i happened to kill you know 15 people or whatever and now he's known as like the what what is it like the 
Yeah, I, I don't remember yeah. exactly. What this his, is all like first year stuff, but, but yeah. Right, right, yeah. And uh, but he's really funny. Like his voice is is hilarious. And then he's paired with this Viking who um, is also very funny, but also is just a lot more brutal. And like, uh, if you just picture like a stereotypical Viking, that's yeah. what is on is on a mission of revenge, brooding, um, silent. Yeah. Yeah, and they're and they're big, yeah, strong warrior. No one, you know, if you get in his way, you're gonna die, type guy. And they're paired through through a magical connection. Through a magical connection, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's that's a well we'll say so far. Uh there's a running gag throughout, there's a lot of humor throughout. Um, I think my main pitch for this book is Mark Lawrence is a great author, and we saw that in the Broken Empire, but I feel like he's able to showcase. He's able to more purely showcase his writing in this book because there's not the same layer of, you know, grimdark filth that uh, that some readers are going to bounce off of. And so he can kind of keep it more lighthearted and uh, and really let that like witty, sarcastic tone shine, um, which he does. I mean, there's a lot of sarcasm, a lot of wit throughout the Broken Empire. But I just, I, I think I enjoyed this book more from just a, from, from a pure enjoyment standpoint, I, I was able to just more easily get into this one than the Broken Empire books. Yeah, I definitely think so too. Um, a lot more approachable. And he, he kind of um, had, you know, uh, what's the saying? He had something in his teeth. He had, he had cut his teeth on the broken empire trilogy okay right and then i I think that he kind of sanded off some of the rusty rustier parts of his writing in terms of like prose and everything it's just and and the pacing and and plotting just seems a little bit tighter um Mm -hmm. in this book yeah anyway i just recommend if you if you think that what we've talked about sounds interesting i recommend it what other what other books would you compare the prince of fools to any other fantasy books out there that you'd comp Maybe maybe not a book as a whole, but he kind of reminds me of uh, like if the whole Wheel of Time book series was just centered around Matt um, and his okay. exploits. Sure. Okay. okay. Maybe from books four on in the Wheel of Time. Similar similar type of character. Yeah. 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 Um, also, we read the Black Tongue Thief um, mm-hmm. last year. It's a little bit like that in terms of like the lighter ter- lighter tone and kind of a story that's centered on moving around a map. You know, uh-huh. they kind of just, they kind of, most of the story is going from place to place and having things happen at those places. And, and there, yeah, a travelogue narrative type yeah. story with a lot of witty humor throughout, a lot of sarcasm. Yeah. 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 You, you have any books you, you think? I was also thinking Black Tongue Thief. Uh, there, the, the bromance kind of reminds me a little bit of Lies of Locke Lamora. And, and in both cases, you have uh, characters kind of going around doing clever things. Uh, the stories themselves are are pretty different, but just the the general tone a little bit similar. Both yeah. kind of darker, you know. This one still does have a lot of darker elements to it. Don't, it, it does. It don't does. think it's going to be like a fun romp. Uh, just because we said it was lighter than the Broken Empire, that that doesn't make it light. <laughs> I, I would still classify it as as grim dark, but it's not as dark as 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 uh, Broken Empire. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I think that covers, let, let's call that our, our non-spoiler section. So we'll just, we'll, we'll jump into it now. We'll, we'll talk about the plot. So let's start by 
Mm. Where do you where do you want to start? Do you want to start with characters and just kind of work work your way through? Yeah, to me, characters are by far the best part of this book. I'm just gonna come out there and say it. Um, the the plot okay. the plot I wasn't totally you know enthused about the plot, but I think from page one, the characters were intriguing and fun, and I I enjoyed being each in each of their heads respectively. Yeah, so for me, the standout of this book was the character work and specifically Jalen and Snorri. Yeah. I, I think that that's uh, pretty. I guess, I, I guess I'm saying Jalen, maybe it's Jalen. Jalen. Yeah, it, might, it might be Jalen. I'm trying to think how actually. the narrator said it. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is a good point is that they were kind of the two best, like besides them, they, none of the other characters were really all that interesting. Yeah. But it, but it was a personal narrative and is a 400 right. page is a 400 page book. Right. So, so, but so having two characters, I would for sure rather take two characters really well fleshed out that you know who they are and you know they're, you know, Mm -hmm. you can read one or two lines from them, know what character it is, than, you know, not fleshing them out as well and having some side characters here. Well, that like, yeah, a little bit better. That's the balance I tend to err on. So, yeah, I I think that the character work with John or Jalen or however we say his name and Snorri, by far the best part of this book. It's gonna yeah. what it's gonna be what I remember about this book, and and it's it, probably it, the reason yeah. why I would want to continue reading. I want right. to figure out what happens. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Jolin. I want I want to see what's gonna happen with Jolin and Snorri. Okay, yeah, I yeah. for sure, yeah. You you want to see because so are we jumping into spoilers now or are we still, yeah yeah this yeah yeah, uh-huh, yeah. so for sure like there's all they 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 become best friends right and kind of like on the like they're brothers but begrudgingly yeah begrudgingly (laughs) which is what's great about it but you still get the Mm -hmm. sense that like they still would betray each other if push came to shove yeah you know at least i did like Uh i don't think that i mean i guess push did come to shove but but push didn't come to like like it stopped short of being like the only way to get out of the uh-huh. situation is to betray each other. They were definitely attempted to, and the opportunity arose and, you know, both of them showed, uh, you know, that they valued that relationship and weren't going to, but it's left mm-hmm. ambiguous, you know, like if one of them's going down the darker path, which it looks like Snorri might be at the end of the book, then, you know, I, I think that John would, you know, uh, have an issue with that. I, I would be, I, Honestly, I would be shocked if yeah. one of them was to actually betray the other and uh, and that, you know, the plot continued in that way and there was no redemption because it seemed like the story, the way that it was being structured and the promise of the characters was, you know, this Jalan guy is a coward and he's a jerk and he, you know, is just in it for the women and the sex and the money or whatever. But really underneath all of that, you know, he's got a heart of gold and he's, He's one of those types of characters, right? And it just continued to kind of chip away, like, you know, hammer, not hammer away, but it continued to kind of like drop little hints of like, you know, this is who this character really is at his core. I would be surprised if he was ever to be like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to take my like curses lifted, whatever, see a snorri. I think at this point he has, he's changed over these, you know, the course of these hundred pages and seems like he's on a more, heroic path uh however uh now that he has the devil type yeah. thing you know the angel devil swap uh will he go down this darker path in the second book i would guess that in the second book 
he does, he goes down a darker path, but doesn't do anything that is so, you know, reprehensible that he cannot be redeemed and is able to kind of turn things around. And in the third book, you know, they, they come together or whatever. And I'm not really sure where the plot is going, actually. I mean, we know what happens in the Broken Empire. I'm not really sure where this plot is going specifically. But with these two characters, I see them attached enough. I, I, don't, I can't see a betrayal. I can't see uh, a total dark path for either. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm not like banking my, uh, my phantology guarantee on this. But mm-hmm. I think that, uh, that there's a chance that... I, I don't think that their relationship is to the point yet where they are um, solely loyal to each other. Mm. But I mean, it's interesting because compared to like a George R. R. Martin story where the characters could very well turn each other and, and we would call both of these stories grimdark. I, I just feel like there's, there's like yeah. a lighter the, at, at the core, the red queen's war has a, has a lighter more hopeful, more sense hopeful to it. Tone. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So maybe that's maybe that's how I would clarify the difference between Broken Empire and Red Queen's War so far. I mean, we've read one of the three books here, but uh, Broken Empire definitely no like hopeful lighter core. But here, the characters seem like decent people at their cores, where George is definitely not a decent person in any aspect of himself. <laughs> yeah. There's my analysis. <laughs> okay, so there's character. Um, anything else about character you want to talk about? Like, is there anything that didn't work for you? Um, I really liked, so I'll, I'll dodge the that question and I'll yeah. say uh, something that I did like was the way that Snorri was introduced. And then throughout the course, you got the snippets of his backstory and you got more and more details. It might've been a little contrived to think that, oh, he's going to tell the story and then leave off and pick it up again and, you know, get to a crucial point and leave off. Uh, but, you know, it makes for a good narrative structure. And, and again, you go back to the fact that this is a first person story and, you know, I don't want to do spoilers for Broken Empire, but like there is a chance that we get to see how this is being written, you know? And so there's a chance that this is like a narrative decision made by John throughout the course of him relaying this first person narrative does that make sense actually no i didn't follow that okay so so um this is a first person story right so john's saying i did this i did that right right right. Uh and so we might get to see how he's actually writing this down right oh sure okay kind of like how the character john is relaying these events and within the series and so do you just mean because like at the end of the broken empire books it has a little thing where george right. is like writing out his story and, right yeah yeah and so maybe a little, we'll little see, bit of a sure okay so so we'll maybe see that john's like taking some uh, narrative licenses and he uh-huh. he was manipulating like the event he was making it uh okay. seem a little bit more cliffhanger you suspect there, there may be a, a framing y- yeah so, a narrative uh, yeah, yeah narrative yeah. framing thing that would justify this anyway that's kind of convoluted it doesn't really matter i yeah i agree that, that like it made it more compelling and so it is what it is mm-hmm. and it made you it made you really care about sorry he's introduced as this you know hulking northman who is uh puts puts he's put in the fighting pits and he kills a bear right off awesome. the beginning it's yeah um and, and so you don't necessarily like fall in love with him as a character because like this guy's a savage 
But then as you get his backstory and you connect with his, you know, his family and everything that's happened to him, you slowly love him more and more. And uh, it's interesting because I think you also slowly, at least for me, get more and more attached to uh, Jalen. But that one came as like getting deeper into who he was, even though, but you already had his backstory. So you just kind of got more and more comfortable and you realize that maybe there is some, some goodness inside of him this is my interpretation some people yeah. don't like in, in our book club uh some were just like no i don't like like jalen like he's this guy's a jerk i have more hopes for him i i think he's i think he's going in good directions even though he's got the devil on his shoulder now so um i think that the that the beginning of this book is a master class in how to introduce characters you get jalen like um you know what what they do he was like uh doing something where he well, was like, hitting on he, a girl and the, or right i mean he's like caught um and by this woman's brother yeah he's right like, he's got to jump out the window jump out the window and, and run yeah and flee you know with only his dignity or yeah with his uh, maybe not with his dignity but nothing yeah. yeah right and and so you get this whole thing where he runs and then he you see that he's being confronted by you know, person or he he owes a bunch of money to this uh, right to this to the, bookie, mm-hmm. and, and then and then in the background of this, you're seeing this huge savage kill a bear, and you're immediately shown that this guy is like a force to be reckoned with, and then they collide. You know, a half chapter later, and you're just like every single part of that pacing of those first few chapters was so expertly done to introduce the core of these characters to you and and help them be memorable. And I think that that was like, in terms of just a, a technical, you know, um, feat, I, I was, I was impressed with it. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's true. I guess I hadn't thought about the, the opening that strongly, but I agree. It's totally, you know, the, it's hundred percent show don't tell writing where it's not like I'm Jalen, I'm cowardly. It's like, Hey, I'm jumping out the window because I've been caught with this woman and now here i am trying to hide from my responsibilities in the court and uh, now here i am being called up on my debts so i'm going to try to get this northman to fight for me in the pits and uh, you know rather than uh, one thing he does is like rather than just let snorri go because snorri was first a slave captured and then he was going to just be like let go because he wasn't really enslaved uh instead of doing that he says actually uh you need to report to the fighting pits for me <laughs> kind of gets oh. you a, a glimpse at his character right away <laughs> yeah yeah anyway uh so i don't know can we move on from should we talk about the plot at all this is not as uh favorable yes as the plot, yes but... you're you're not as into the you're not as into the plot tell us why yeah i don't know like um i was just never that compelled to see like i of course wanted to know what the curse was about i wanted to know mm-hmm. what happened to snorri's family I wanted, like, I wanted to know these things, but they were just kind of questions that were being posed that I didn't really, wasn't theorizing a ton about as we were going through because I felt like they would just be resolved, which they kind of were in satisfying okay. ways, granted. But like, I just guess that I, I didn't feel like me figuring out the answers to these questions was going to help me in the book, like help me figure out the plot of the book. I don't, I don't know what I'm saying makes sense, but like, mm. I feel like when you're reading some books, Sanderson's a good example of this, where if you figure like a nugget out, then that makes like 
the rest of the rooting experience like better because you're like, Oh, I, I know what's going on with this, or I think I know what's going on with this. And it makes you more mm. excited to find out if what you thought is correct. Whereas with this one, I was like, you know, I think I know what happened with Snorri's family, but if I'm wrong, then it's not that big of a deal. If I'm right, then it's uh-huh. not that big of a deal. So there wasn't like a, there wasn't as much of a running mystery for you. You prefer a larger, maybe more convoluted plot where everything's kind of tying in in different ways and you're trying to, some things are revealed, which leads to additional questions, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I guess. And this is where this kind of is, is kind of like the black tongue thief where I, I don't obviously need that every single time, but it's just like thinking back, we, we read this book about a month ago. It's been, it's been a bit of time to record it. Mm-hmm. And like, I can tell you a lot about the characters but I can't tell you, I don't remember a whole ton of the plot in terms of the sequence of like which place they went, they went to this place, then this place, yeah. then this happened, then that happened. Like, I remember some scenes, you know, the first time that like, but, but none of them were like that standout where I'm like, this is a jaw dropping, amazing scene that's been set up by everything that comes mm. before that, that happens with the character work, but doesn't really happen with the plot. Okay. I agree with that. I mean, so would you say this is similar is, is the broken empire? Or the um, what's the name of the the sister series? Is the red sister? sister. Yeah, uh, book of the ancestor. Yeah, book of the ancestors. Yeah, are those similar? Do you would you say in terms of the way that the plot moves along? So uh, I'll try and keep this fast. Broken Empire, I feel like um, tries to do more convoluted things, but it I didn't I wasn't that impressed with the plotting in in that series either. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt like it tried to tie in a bunch of different things and it, it used different narrative styles to di- to varying degrees of success in my mind with like the flashbacks and flash forwards and the you know different perspective and stuff and yeah. like a lot of what it did but some of it i don't think entirely worked go watch our reviews you know if you want to get more of my thoughts on that uh-huh and then the book of the ancestor and mind you i've i've only read the first two but i feel like the plot is a lot uh tighter on that I feel like that you have a better idea and you're, you're wondering more about the different factions that are at play. And so I think that, and, and the, you know, I've read three, two, one books, right. I've read all of broken empire. I've read two yeah. of red sister. <laughs> I've only read one of these, but from what I've read his, I think that book of the ancestor has the most intriguing plot line. This has the best characters and broken empire probably has the best, like uh making you think, you know, um, reframing what you see as like a, as mm-hmm. grim dark and. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. I would say in the Prince of Fools, at least it seems like we're presented the plots in like chunks of five chapters or so. Like here we are um, at the, at the first location where I think I can't remember the name of the city. It's like Champagne or something like that. Um, here we are um, at this, you know, nice city in the court, and now everything's going to go uh, awry, and now we're, you know, we're going to run away, Snorri and Jalan, and then the magic connects them and everything. And then after that, they go for, they travel for a while, and then they have this meetup with uh, Edris Dean, right? He's the mercenary guy, and then they've got to, they continue to work their way towards Krath City, and they have this cool fight up in the mountains. And then after that, they kind of, anyway, what I, I guess what I'm trying to say is can, just like these, these chunks of little plot pieces and yes, it's connected, but it's almost really just connected by the fact that our characters are the ones moving through all of it. Like there's, there's no big 
I mean, there, there are, there's some running threads of, you know, the dead King and these people are coming back to life and Snorri's family. And we're, and we're getting some threads. It's not terrible by any means. Right. It's just not quite as connected as maybe you would like to see. Yeah. And, and the Red Queen and the curse and what where the curse is coming from and what's going to happen right, with the curse. Right, like right. The, Those are all interesting questions, but they're not super compelling. Again, you just feel like you're going to find mm-hmm. out. Which means that when we get to the end, it is a climax and it is exciting, but it's not a huge culmination of like, all the plot points that have happened it's just kind of like okay here we are we've got to our destination and you know big fight cool things happen it's revealed why snorri you know is that why he is in terms of his family you get kind of the secrets Mm -hmm. out on that which was it wasn't exactly what i guess but i i kind of figured that he was just going for revenge and didn't have a whole lot of hope of rescuing his family Mm -hmm. But I didn't see that his wife was going to be pregnant and making and her unborn yeah. child was going to become like a demon type creature. Yeah. Spawn thing. Like, and I mean, and that was foreshadowed with the fight that yeah. they had with the, the demon that got run over by the elephant. Th- that, so these are cool things. Like th- that's what I'm saying. Like none of it is bad. It's just some, some of it is mm-hmm. kind of, you know, not, not the reason why you read the book, I guess. Yeah. In my mind. Sure. It, it's not why I would recommend reading it. And, and it could be a preference thing. I mean, we both like a lot of our favorite books are longer, super epic uh, things like, like Sanderson, for example, um, which, you know, not everyone enjoys as much. Some people like a more streamlined, more, this is almost like a thriller type yeah. story where it's really just action throughout. And uh, there's enough of a plot, enough of a mystery to kind of drive things forward. But at the same time, you know, they're going towards a destination to try to resolve the conflict and it's it's a fairly straightforward goal for our heroes, at least. Yeah. With some hints of this larger conflict with the dead king, the dead king. and yeah. the people coming back to life and everything. And I want to kind of talk about this, but without doing spoilers for Broken Empires, which may be a little if tricky. If we have to spoil it, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll tell you. Yeah. But so the thing is, I, I like this. I like this way of introducing the dead king. And granted, I'm speculating on what happens in the rest of the Red Queen's War. I don't know. But I, I like this setup better because in the Broken Empire, there's a similar conflict, but it doesn't become like the main conflict right away. It doesn't become the main thing as quickly as it seems to be the main thing here in the Red Queen's War. And granted, in the first book, the Dead King is not the adversary. It's it's broken or and getting back to Snorri's family and all that. But these are, you get a sense that these are, you know, tools in a, yeah. these, these are pawns in a, in a larger thing. And they actually have to fight them a lot more often than right. what happened. Yeah. Right. So in Broken Empire, this becomes a big thing, but not till later in the series. And it's almost like, oh, like this is the big thing that's going on here. Okay. Uh, yeah. Whereas here in the Red Queen's War, it seems like it's maybe a more natural progression towards the end of the trilogy okay so and this is like game of thrones where the season seasons like one through four like you're you're kind of showing like all these white walkers and they're like this looming presence and it's really Mm -hmm. interestingly done and then like the last few seasons then all of a sudden like the white walkers just start like jumping out all over the place and then it's resolved really quickly Uh uh-huh and it doesn't end up the red queen's war is or i feel like the red queen's war is is kind of i feel like uh broken empire is kind of more like 
the last few seasons of Game of Thrones where this was in the background all the time and then it just gets like resolved super quickly and you realize yeah. it's kind of like a red herring in a lot of ways. Well, I, I don't think it, I don't think it was a red herring in the Broken Empire. It was certainly a better resolution than how they resolved yes, the white walkers in the TV show. But I feel like this has had, I, I don't know, just here. I feel like this book, this book had a lot more like you feel the presence of them when they come on screen, you know, okay. and, and they feel like a threat. Yeah. Especially because at the beginning of the book, John's like, Oh, we can just ride in with our cavalry and just like mow them down. It's not even a, not even a threat at all. And then by the end of the book, you know, he's like going up against this, like these demon spawn things that are like, you know, about to, you know, killing right, this right, whole band right. of warriors of like these Northmen. Anyway. Yeah, I can see that. And uh, I feel like we could get into this more, but I don't want to do spoilers for Broken Empire because I know okay. there's some that, that I haven't read it. So yeah, um, ho- hopefully nothing that we said was too much of a spoiler. I don't, I don't think it was. I think we just kind of talked about it loosely enough where it's okay. But, you know, yell at us in the comments if you're mad. Sorry. hopefully people clicked off if they felt like we were going we we waited yeah, into yeah. that really slowly so um so okay so what are some plot points that like what are the things that you did remember because i know you said that the plot wasn't super compelling but there were some big moments that were well written and exciting yeah um for sure so i thought that like you mentioned the battle in the mountains where where John, where they like have fight all these people and, and you get the reveal that they're going to come back to life. And then as you kill more of them, the last one gets stronger. That was really cool. You find out that John can heal and he, but it takes a lot out of him. And so you uh-huh. find, you kind of get these power reveals going on. I enjoyed the scenes with the Ancraft Easter eggs. You know, you get the, that, that was, am I, that was Catherine that he was hitting on, right? Yeah. Okay. It was said straight up, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Okay. I, I uh-huh. thought so. I just was. Well, he like, sees. So Catherine's the one that kicks in the balls. Yeah. Right. That's and, what I was. He goes up and yeah. tries to. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I got this. Da, da, da. Yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> there's. Well, do you say like there's no. It's not fair how women can can induce such pain with just a few mere <laughs> inch, inches Some, of something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was funny. It was funny. Uh huh. So I like that, right? Like that totally fits with Catherine, the Catherine mm-hmm. that we know. Snorri's flashbacks were always really compelling to me. You know, it's heartbreaking to see him lose his family, especially, you know, like mm-hmm. he's, that that scene at the river with him, you know, his daughter daughter losing her stuffed animal or something. In the river. Like, I don't know, like these things serve to really humanize uh-huh. um, Snorri for me. And then... The whole the the climax was interesting with them sneaking into this keep that was abandoned, and you know I feel like the setting um, was was interesting going into the climax. They like mm-hmm. super being super cold. Um, it felt like you know a dungeon. I've been playing Elden Ring, and kind of felt like a like a dungeon yeah. in Elden Ring. I maybe. can see that. Uh huh. Sure. Um, where like you never knew what was going to be around the next corner, but you know you you couldn't be too sure that it wasn't just gonna jump out mm-hmm. and kill you but that, that's kind of it like i don't know those are the highlights for me i have a worse of the yeah. rest I'll, I'll wait on but okay so so there were some plot points that didn't even really stick in your memory like the whole train tunnel thing and uh skill fire the witch down there like that was one that you know just kind of it felt like filler in the middle of the book yeah. like we got to get them through here and they're gonna like get some prophecy type stuff and 
train tunnels are funny to think about if these guys don't know what trains are. Right. Yeah. yeah. That, that kind of stuff never was super compelling to me in Broken Empire either. I'm like, okay, I get it. This is like mm. Earth, you know, Earth in a couple of thousand years or whatever. That's, that setting wasn't, I, I mean, no, I no, think the, the setting's cool. The, the setting is cool. I like it, but like, I, I don't, um, whenever they, it doesn't really like shock me when they're, they're in like the train tunnels, you know, it's just like, mm. okay, they're, so this is kind of the device he's using now, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there are parts in the Broken Empire where they're, again, don't want to do spoilers. Yeah, let's not do spoilers. You know, there there are similar types of chapter groups where they go off and do things like this. And yeah, I agree. It's not super memorable. Yeah. Yeah. What what about you? What was your reaction? Um, So I think that fight with Edris Dean up in the mountains, like you said, that was that was a highlight. That one was really good. And then when they're meeting up with the the quins right the their quintuplets i think there's yeah. eight of them yeah okay that was... wait just the twinism is real there okay when <laughs> for those of you who don't know ben and i if this is like the, somehow the first episode of anthology you're watching i have a twin brother that does this with me and we always joke about people being you know uh biased against twins or whatever if uh-huh. a twin dies if one of the twins die they're still a twin it just doesn't like you don't suddenly stop being a twin if your twin dies uh-huh. In my opinion, at least from well, my from my lived experience of being a twin, I I don't feel like if my twin uh-huh. brother were to die, I would not be a twin anymore. Just like if you you anyway, go ahead. Well, I mean, isn't that what happens in the book? Like there's still like the quins. No, but then he always even though goes, they die. No, but then he's like, oh, now the they're the the court. Oh, well, okay, so so he, Jolin, he like he like counts them down. He's like, Jalen no, has the twinism. Yeah, yeah, and he's like, now they're the triplets. Now the they're the twins. Right now, right. they yeah, yeah. But it was like, I guess, a humorous way to kill off a bunch of cannon yeah. fodder. Yeah, not yeah. <laughs> use your not your your single single person privilege over there, Stephen. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, yeah, single person <laughs> privilege. First first time I've uh, been accused of that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I shouldn't really joke about these things, but yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, the North group and all of that was, but I did think that the actual like fight up in the, uh, the black hold, was that what it was called? The black, some, some, the black something, um, that was a little confusing to me, like how easy it was. It seemed like maybe there'd be like hordes of dead guys, but there wasn't. And so there's some confusion as to like, what were they really doing up there? Like what's going on? I guess maybe, uh, the dead King had, got what he wanted and was moving on. And then there was the whole, uh, the Loki's key type thing, right? Um, that, mm-hmm. I guess we didn't even talk about that plot element, but but they have that now. Um, and that's a lore thing in the background and uh, the speculation is going to be used to like open this door of life and death. But as I'm reading it, I'm like, you know, what is the door of life and death? And, how, you know, this is such a kind of out there concept. And some of... You know, having read Broken Empire, I think really gave me an advantage in reading this yeah. because I understood a lot of what was going on. But I was thinking like, man, if I hadn't read Broken Empire and I was going to this book, I'd be fairly confused at some of this. Yeah, you, know. you, you, you get more of the logistics on how the, this mm-hmm. magic works kind of in Broken Empire. Yeah. But, but what do you, sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, I was just gonna say, again, we've only read one book. I assume by the time we finished the trilogy, you'd have a more complete understanding. Yeah, I remember Ryan talking about how this fleshed even more of the magic system out 
in Broken mm. Empire. I think he, I remember Ryan saying that when he went back and reread Broken Empire after reading this, then Broken Empire made more sense because oh, okay. Was, so mm. at least I think I remember that, Ryan. If I'm wrong, tell me. I could see that with like the Silent Sister and yeah, uh, you know her magic is. I think she was she was almost certainly mentioned in the Broken Empire. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, you're getting different types of magic, and you see Sages. We're already familiar with Sages in the dream magic yeah. type stuff so if you haven't read broken empire um he's the advisor guy in craft uh, city and he's an important character in that trilogy um so you're yeah we're getting different types of different flavors of the magic that we haven't seen before um but my works of the best does touch on uh something that you were talking about earlier is okay you know, should we, should, yeah okay so worst of the best josh tell us the uh the moment that soured something that you otherwise would really enjoyed the worst of the best with so many exemplary moments in this book it's almost unfair to nitpick but that's the segment it's the pimple on the princess the stain on the satin and the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. Okay, this is the Moon Knight syndrome, as I think we're, as I think I'm going to label it. Okay, um, and it, it touches kind of based on how you you were saying that they handled this a little bit too easily, and this is when when all hope was lost it's implied that John goes into like some sort of battle frenzy. And it's also implied that this was what he did on the field of battle that day that he earned his like moniker. And, and so he just kind of wakes up and sees like the enemies destroyed all around him. And he's like kind of covered in blood and it's not his, but you don't see it happen or told that it happened. And to me, it's kind of like in spoilers for moon Knight, where, um, he right. is, he is you know pinned down and then his alter ego takes over and now he's you know successfully defeated everyone but you don't see it happen one time is cool to be what resolves like the entire conflict and like the 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 in some ways that was like the entire climax like it's just a little bit weird you know like i feel like that's when you have it happen throughout the book and then you see what actually happens at the climax. And in neither of these cases did he. So Mm. maybe it soured me because of, you know, my more negative take on Moon Knight's finale, but uh, nonetheless, that was my Uh perception. I also had this issue with uh, Moon Knight. If you, if you uh, are wondering what we thought about Moon Knight, you can go back and listen to our review of Moon Knight and uh, Dr. Strange too. But uh, this, it didn't bother me as much in this okay. book, actually. Maybe, I don't, I, I can't tell you exactly why, but that did not stick out to me. Yeah, maybe, maybe, because I think I read it like the day after we did our Moon Knight review. So maybe it was just fresh on my mind when we went over it. Or I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. All right. My worst of the best is, uh, kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with magic and Silent Sister and learning more about how, um, you know, the the magic in the world works and about this uh, curse that is connecting them. I thought that was all very interesting and it's nice to see a different flavor of magic in the world. However, I didn't like um, how 
so so Garius or Garrus or however you say his name, his uncle, right? Um, who is the the twin of the or the conjoined twin, right? right of the of the silent sister. Um, I didn't like how this character is set up to be pretty important. I think in the in the rest of the book in the rest of the series. Uh-huh. However, you didn't actually see him on screen at all. You just got at the beginning. Uh, Jalan was thinking about how he like takes care takes care of him every now and then, and kind of wonders like what the deal is with him. And then slowly, he just kind of comes to realize that like, oh, you know, this guy has also got some magic or something's going on here. And so we don't know as the reader what's going on, but it's now like it's now super important, or it's hinted that it's going to get more and more important. But we've just never seen him on screen at all. I, the yeah. Silent Sister is cool because we've seen her at least a couple scenes, and she seems really mysterious and creepy, and, and uh, we don't want to mess with her. She seems pretty. Uh, what's the word? Pretty, pretty capable, right? Like she's she's gonna mess back if you uh, try to do anything against her. Uh, my my uh, vocabulary is kind of leaving me at these <laughs> right now. But uh, Garius, like we didn't even see one scene of him. I wish we had just seen one scene that made him seem like, oh, he's got this twisted old man's got some secret. What could it be type thing? We never got that. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm kind of glad you said that because I was just wondering if I had like missed a scene or like forgotten about a scene or like kind of skimmed right a scene that was important that I, but that's that's good to know. Like I kind of just yeah. assumed I had missed something, but if he's just not there that much then thing right right yeah okay yeah so i assume they'll be going back to uh champagne it's a different name for, i'm just gonna call it champagne they're, <laughs> what they're going back to italy <laughs> okay yeah that's what i was gonna say i read this as italy is that kind of what you thought as well uh i need to look at the map i mean you could definitely look at the map and right. say exactly where it was but the setting seems like it yeah the setting italy or or, you know southern france kind of like a renaissance era like yeah yeah nice nice and sunny you know nice place to live yeah yeah i think actually it might have been southern france because they talk about going over into roma so they're probably not italians unless they were were they further maybe they were further down the boot we should probably just look at the map and uh, we could know definitively. <laughs> it's more fun to talk about. It's like the same reason why you argue with your friends about something you can easily Google. It's just right. Funny. Right, um, right. So what would you give it as like a out of 10 score? What would you say? I think I gave it a seven out of 10. I can't, gosh, I can't remember. We did this on our book club conversation. I might've given it a 7.5. It was either a seven or 7.5. I'm feeling like a seven. I'm I'm hovering between a six point five and a seven. Okay, I, I liked it, and I I think that there's um, a lot of potential for the rest of the series, mm-hmm. and uh, so kind of how the rest of the series turns out, I could I could easily be convinced this is a seven or even a seven point five out of ten. If the rest of the series kind of drops the ball, then I mean I don't know if that's a really fair way to judge it, but you know that's kind of where I'm at, like somewhere. It was a good, solid book that's easy to recommend. It didn't fit exactly my taste, and that's all right. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a much easier recommend than, uh, obviously, the, the Prince of Thorns and the Broken Empire. So yeah. hey, if you're looking to start Lawrence, uh, well, gosh, if you're still listening, you've probably read the books. That's probably, that's probably yeah. a dumb thing to say at this point. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. See you later. <laughs> There's you.